Welcome to Portal to Ascension Radio. Together we will embark on a journey of awakening and exploration. I'm your host and the founder of Portal to Ascension, Neil Gore. Since 2008, we have been dedicated to providing a stream of awareness on a range of empowering and consciousness-raising topics. Through our events, webinars, conferences, retreats, and workshops, we bring together a community of researchers, spiritualists, archaeologists, consciousness explorers, and other experts who share their knowledge and insights. Our platform serves as a resource for discovering the ancient origins of humanity, unraveling the truth of the extraterrestrial presence, holistic wellness, exposing hidden truths, and expanding our awareness beyond the third dimension. On our YouTube channel, you will find full-length presentations and interviews that dive deeper into all you experience on this podcast. Search for Portal to Ascension on YouTube. On Portal to Ascension Radio, we feature captivating discussions, interviews, and presentations. Our guests are all featured on our website, portaltoascension.org, where you can sign up to receive free access to hundreds of presentations covering that diverse awareness we explore. Portal to Ascension Radio is here to guide you on this extraordinary quest as we shift into the next octave of existence. We appreciate and love you. Let's get into today's discussion. And also to Pete and Sue, thank you so much just for your ancestral wisdom. And sometimes we forget how important it is really to connect to that ancestral wisdom, to feel ourselves praying to the ancestors and to the elementals and to feel both of you up there. And I really appreciate how the first two speakers were a couple, right? They're divine union, beloveds, twin counterparts coming in to hold the space. And how rare is it we get to see those examples of that type of relationship. So thank you both, you know, thank you all four of you for, for that energy and for opening the space in such a sacred way. And to my dear brother, Neil, it's been a beautiful journey just getting to know you and getting to feel the magic of what you're creating here, of course, with Joan and getting to meet both of you. And I hadn't had a chance to meet Alan until uh, this, actually, this event. And I knew as soon as I saw your white hat, I was like, that's a cool guy. So thanks for, uh, thanks for being the triumvirate in this trinity of anchoring what you are creating here, because it's no easy task to create a mystery school, to really create a modern day mystery school that brings people together and allows so much of the teaching portal and all of our emanations of light to come out and get to share it with all of you. What a gift. So thank you to all of you for all of us co-creating this space, allowing ourselves to be open enough, to allowing ourselves to be present enough to shine our lights, to share our gifts. And whether you know it or not, just being here in Avalon, you are on a pilgrimage. You're on a pilgrimage of this openness. You are on a pilgrimage of remembrance and reconnection. And some of these words like opening, remembering, reconnection, resurrection, you will feel it. You'll probably hear it as you walk through the town. You'll hear all the beautiful hippie words that we all sing and chant and speak from our hearts that remind us that there is something sacred. And when we go to places like Glastonbury, when we go to any of these sacred sites in the world, really anywhere in the world, if we look deep enough, we will remember, we will see again what is possible when we become ourselves, when we trust ourselves, when we connect to our hearts and anchor and weave ourselves to the magic of something that needs to return. And there is a return happening. I'm sure we all feel that here. And it reminds me of a story that they used to say about Avalon is that no one can just come to Avalon. It wasn't a place you could just, oh, I'm just going to go to Avalon and that's it. In the ancient times, they would say that only those who would receive an invitation, these are the people who were allowed to come to Avalon. 
And when you translate this word invitation in ancient Brythonic, even in Aramaic, and we'll be talking about Aramaic later today, when you translate this word invitation, it more accurately translates as a key. As a key, a key is required to enter into the realms of Avalon. And they say this key would be given to you by the Druids themselves, or perhaps the key comes direct from spirit. And so all of you being here, whether you know it or not, whether you consciously understand it or not, have been given this key. You are here by no coincidence, no chance. You are here on a mission. And all of you right now are remembering what that mission is because it's so individual to each and every one of you. The way you're wielding that key and opening these lands of Avalon but also what we're doing here truly is like a mystery school because these types of transmissions and these types of remembrances, they are most accelerated and expanded when we unite ourselves, when we remember together and we feel this divine connection. And so I know each and every one of you, we've woven on some level, whether it was a past life or in some celestial realms or deep in the earth, all of us are a family. We are remembering this form of light and you can feel it, it becomes palpable. And in these stone walls where we sit now, we are returning. We are returning and we are remembering and we are opening again. So thank you. Thank you all for hearing this call, for stepping into this portal of ascension, for stepping through this portal of ascension and allowing these types of energies to come through because they're so needed. They are so deeply needed. And I remember when Neil was talking to me about the portal to ascension, of course, I love the feeling of ascending going up and out and connecting into the heavens. I spent many of my university years talking to my star family, getting deep into UFOs and everything about where we feel the energies rising up to the stars, carrying us to the heavens. But when I came back to Avalon, I noticed something different, something deeply shifted. And just the way my energy would flow, the way it would move, is the direction changed, my intentions changed, my focus changed. Instead of just reaching up and following, where it would lead me into those heavenly realms, the direction shifted and I would go down. And perhaps some of you are feeling this. Whether you live here full time or you're just a pilgrim on this journey, perhaps you've noticed that some of the energy isn't always going up, it's starting to draw you down. And that's why I was talking to Neil earlier, I was saying, what if we also focus on the opposite pathway? Where it's not just about the portal to ascension, what about the portal to descension? to bringing it down, reminding ourselves that going up is just half of the journey, that we also must bring it down to come down into ourselves and not just stop. It's not just about stopping in yourself, but allowing it to continue and to wreck it down into the earth mother. That guy in consciousness that is slowly and subtly whispering to us, reminding us that we must connect back down home to her as well because the channel is only complete if we both go up and we go down. And so as you walk these lands, as you have the opportunity, as we did yesterday, and thank you to everyone who came on the tour yesterday to connect to these sacred sites, and if you haven't had a chance to explore Glastonbury, I highly encourage you to allow your heart to be magnetized to the places that you feel you need to go because everything in Avalon carries such deep wisdom, such deep remembrance. And you can trust your intuition to bring you to the places where you need to go. And I always like describing Avalon like lasagna. And when I talk about lasagna, it's because it's so multi-layered. Every layer just contains a new level of deliciousness, something there for you that's going to nourish and nurture you. And so spend some time, if you can, go to the sites. You don't even have to do anything. 
Just be there and receive. Allow that feeling of openness to come back. And you will notice a whole realm will open up for you, this realm that connects you, yes, both to the stars, but also down to the earth. And that's one of the things that we can feel when we connect into this ancient Celtic Druid lineage. It's about the land and the earth and the importance that we must plant ourselves. We must anchor ourselves back into it. And by anchoring ourselves into the earth, we are plugged into a greater intelligence that is so needed. And one of the things I've noticed so often in society is that there is a mother wound. And of course, we might all have experienced a mother wound. I know I have in different ways. But there's a wound about the mother that's even greater that I like to call the earth mother wound. This fracturing and this fragmentation, really this forgetting about this mother connection that we have to have as a society in order for us to rise. Because how are we going to build these connections to the higher realms if we are not first firmly fixed, planted, rooted into the earth? And we need that. We are craving that. We are longing for that. And I know specifically speaking for myself as a man, it feels almost because I don't have those internal connections to the womb and the cycles that you beautiful priestesses and queens have, I've had to work even extra hard just to remember these cycles that I need to remember and to heal myself. And also for the collective masculine as we're rising and stepping up right now. And it warmed my heart so much to see men in the tour yesterday and to see so many brothers in the audience now because I'm so used to after leading tours in Avalon for six years, it's primarily women. And I love the way the feminine and the goddesses are coming back, but we also need us brothers. We need us brothers to return to the land and come back. So thank you to all the men who are here for saying yes and for coming to these sacred sites. Whether you know it or not, you are healing yourself and you are also healing the collective masculine, helping to heal that earth mother wound. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for feeling these things that I know can be so difficult and not always easy to feel. And this is what I've dedicated my life to. This is what I've dedicated my path to is that return and that remembrance into the earth, into the land. And what I love most too about the term Avalon, and you've probably heard of Avalon. This is what this place Glastonbury is known for. And when you go back into a lot of the Bardic and Welsh manuscripts, they speak of Avalon not so much as just one place, not that it's just one geographic location, but Avalon is a quality that's ascribed and given to a certain part of land, a certain part of earth. They describe it in very specific ways in which the water would be around it, whether it's an island or surrounded by rivers and many other qualities. But the most important part of when these ancient druid triads and manuscripts described Avalon is it had one key ingredient that was so needed in order for Avalon to be remembered, to return to it, is that it needed the people. It needed the people that would tend the spaces, that would journey here, that would do ceremonies, that would consecrate the earth and remember her. So Avalon really, the places of Avalon are only possible when people like us come to it with reverence, with honor, and get to remember it together. So thank you for allowing Avalon to become accessible for holding and consecrating this template because all of the work we're doing now makes it possible for everyone else that comes after us. For everyone else who stands at the shores of the ancient lake of the Isle of Avalon, and they call it an Isle of Avalon, not just because it sounds cool, but there used to be an incredible lake that surrounded this emerald island. And it's so important that we remember as we get on that boat, 
at the shore of the lake. And we begin our journey across the lake. It's not just about traveling across the lake to an island. We are going through the realms. We are going through the portals. We are feeling ourselves traversing a space that is neither of this earth or of the God realms. It is somewhere in between in Celtic culture. It's called the other realm. And so being here, we must remember how important it is to honor these other realms and also for all of us to continuously ask permission to be humble enough to honor the spaces that came long before us, that were consecrated long before us. And so I say this kind of as a public service announcement, maybe a portal to ascension announcement, P2AA, yes, okay. To remember, as you go to these sites, they are powerful, and they're powerful beyond so much of what we're used to. So just simply asking permission as you go to each site, as you cross any doorway, any gateway that you find, to allow yourself just to drop into a moment of presence and to honor the space, honor the land. And you'll find, too, especially as we talk a lot about fairies and elementals and the nature kingdoms that are there, there's something really special that happens as we humans go into these spaces, into these realms, that when we ask permission, when we honor the land, it's like the fairies get to know us. They get to trust us. The elementals feel safe around us. And so much more of this opening can happen. And you'll feel this as you go into the places, as you pass through. It's like, oh... Maybe you'll feel a fairy. Maybe you'll sense an elemental. And if you just send them your love, if you just send them that sense of honoring, such magic and miracles will happen for you at these places. So please try and remember that as you go through. And I promise you, some beautiful things will occur for each and every one of you. And what I love most, too, as we start to explore these druidic realms of embodiment of dissension is that so much of it is about bringing spirit down bringing energy down, bringing the divine down into you. And we'll find that as a very common thread between the Druids and early Christianity, and we'll be talking about Christianity today, early Celtic Christianity. And as Neil said, the way I describe it is, there is a church that we've lost. There is a church that we've forgotten over time, because when we think of Christianity, we think of the Roman church that we're so used to. This very patriarchal, very hollow form of Christianity that I'm sure a lot of you, like me, are still recovering from because we grew up in a church that perhaps didn't connect all the way to God as we were told it should. But when you come to these lands and you start exploring the ancient histories of the British Isles, you find that there was a church before this Roman church. There was an anchoring of Christianity before it was even called Christianity. And this type of church and this type of Christianity was based both on the teachings of our dear brother Yeshua, the embodiment of the Christ of the Logos, but also it contains some of the missing pieces that all of us are starting to remember again today, which is the piece that Mary Magdalene represented, that she embodied, that she transmitted the feminine pathway of the Christ, the Christ of the Sophia. And so when we think of the early church, we think of a union between both these masculine and feminine Christed energies, which is exactly how a lot of the Druidic and Celtic teachings looked at creation, that perfect balance between the Christed light, this idea of Christ beyond just the idea of Jesus, but the true essence of Christed consciousness, of Christed energy. And you'll feel that also as you walk these lands, especially in a place like Glastonbury, which is such a beautiful balance between these ancient Druidic ways, but also a place in which it was a cradle and a foundation of this early Christianity. 
This was one of the places where the meeting point happened as the Druids started to shift into Christianity. It wasn't a forced transition. It wasn't a chaotic or murderous transition as some might have you believe. It was an effortless and natural transition because so much of it, so much of the teachings that the Druids held sacred and the early Christians held sacred were the same. In fact, when you look at a lot of the first and earliest of saints of Christianity, they were far more Druid than they were what we would consider Christian because they were the Druids. They were the ones who held this beautiful, equally balanced, Christed light. There was an openness, and perhaps you'll feel this openness as you walk these lands, this openness that will remind you. And it makes me think of our dear brother Yeshua's words. He would say something before he would ever give healings to people. And the Aramaic word that he would whisper as he would heal people, he would say, Eith Batak. Eith Batak. And this Aramaic word simply translates as be open or be opened. So why would he say that? Why was it so important for him to remind you to be open? Because when we're open, we allow ourselves to return to a state of receptivity. We are allowed to start moving back to becoming a vessel in which divine and holy light could pass through us, could descend down into us. The Holy Spirit could come into us. Like that sophionic dove that we so often see in the early Christed art, this dove descends, the Holy Spirit in Aramaic, Ruka Dakucha, descends down into us, and we are allowed, once we empty our vessel, we can become open to receive it. And that's why I love so much about the early Druidic teachings, is because it's a return to that open channel, right? You can't fill a cup that's already full. You must empty that cup. You must become Aethbatok, but it's not just about stopping there. It's about becoming that vessel again. And many of the teachings of this Celtic culture and of the Druids, especially when it came to the high priestesses, you would become a high priestess when you become a true conduit and vessel in which the light can both pass down into you and through you. You literally become an embodiment emanation. That light ripples out. That presence ripples out. That's why for so many of the women, that idea of the womb is so important to you, the sacred vessel that you carry within you to have a connection to your womb space and understand the sacred, eternal, endless vessel, the void light as it was described, the black light, not black as an evil or bad, but that primordial sense of creation where all things are birthed from and all things return to the high priestesses of the Druids, they would be emanations of this void light, remembering and returning that and offering that as a sacred service. And a lot of my work is exploring a lot of the Gnostic and early Christianity teachings, and we guess what? We see the exact same thing, this return into the channel, into the void, becoming this holy vessel. We even see it in the Lord's Prayer, one of the most famous prayers in the world. When you translate it in Aramaic, guess what? It's a little bit different. There's a little bit more nuance there that we don't always have. And so when we get into the second line of the Lord's Prayer, right, hallowed be thy name. There's such medicine in there when we remember what it means. Really, the Lord's Prayer is a systematic approach to return to the source light. Really, it's about remembering how to become that light. And so when we go into that second line, hallowed be thy name, neth kadash shamak, as it is in Aramaic, what it's truly saying is become hollow and empty, to become open to thy name, shmak, coming from the Aramaic shem, which means divine essence. 
the truest, deepest core essence. So when we become hollow to thy name, open to that name, we learn to become a vessel to the divine so that we can be that channel. So feel that as you go through the land to these sites, whether you're connecting with the Druidic lore or the early Christian lore, the end is the same. It's about emptying, being open, allowing that Sophionic dove to come down into you, through you, anchoring in your heart, anchoring in your wombs, in your horrors, returning you, whether you're on the priestess path as a divine goddess and woman now, or if you're a man right now, learning to reclaim your light as a knight or king. These archetypes are coming back to us right now, and we're remembering. We are achieving a form of divinity, a form of royalty that was always talked about in ancient times, but they don't talk about it much anymore. And you see something, especially during the Middle Ages, this idea of a crown that is passed from one to the other or finding your crown. We see it all the time in the Arthurian legends. But if you go back even past in time, you see that there was a crown that was before the crown. There was a symbol of the crown that was much older, and that symbol was the halo, the halo. Now, there's many ways you can interpret the halo, many reasons why it's important to feel that, but really it comes from a term called incandescence, which means an emanation of light that comes from within to without. And so, so often it's easy to say, okay, you're royal, you're special, you're a king and queen because someone put a crown on your head. Great. That's an external form that validates that term. But really, in the ancient times, you're still looking for a crown, but the crown cannot come from anywhere outside you. This crown is a crown that you glow from within you. And that light shines outward and becomes the halo. This corona, this light that only can become if you allow it to shine from within you. And we see this both in the Druid culture as well as the ancient Christian culture. Is it's all about embodying that light. This is what we talk about, right? In all of the New Age spiritual communities, it's light, light, light. And it is so important. But also there's a responsibility that comes with light. There's a responsibility that we have that comes with carrying that light. And when we look back at the Essene community, the dear community that Yeshua and so many other great masters came out of, they would organize their community around one word, Nahara or Nura, which is one way to translate light. And when they would speak of Nura, that was their term for the light of humanity, humanity's light, which they likened to the moon. And to them, the sun represented divine light or the light of God. And so when we think of the moon, the light that the moon shines, the moon doesn't shine her own light. The moon shines the light that she reflects from the sun. That's the nura. And so the Essenes would teach that we have a responsibility first to ourselves to make sure that we polish and we refine ourselves as much as possible so that we become reflective to the sun, the divine light. But also, and for me, the most beautiful and important part of these teachings is that I also have a responsibility to each and every one of you to help polish you, to help make you as reflective to that divine light. And all of you have a responsibility to help me. And imagine what that would be like in a community where everyone's helping polish each other, everyone's helping that return of the light. Because when you have that type of light anchored, it does one specific thing, according to the Essenes. It overcomes the forces of Satana, the Aramaic word of Satana. 
Now, what does that word sound like? Sounds like Satan, right? That's literally where the word Satan comes out of the Aramaic word Satana. And Satana simply translates as the force that causes us to forget. The force that causes us to become divided in ourselves. And isn't that what we're experiencing in the world today? Isn't that what we're seeing so often played out is that there's a great forgetting, there is division taking place. And what is the solution according to the Essenes to overcome the forces of Satana? It's more light. And it's more light that we help each other remember and the more light we help each other shine. Because when this light returns, we gain access to something that the Gnostics would call the kingdom of heaven. We've all heard this term, kingdom of heaven. It's a beautiful term. And we also have heard the term the kingdom of God, and often people think the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same things, but when you translate them in Aramaic and you get into a lot of the Gnostic teachings, they are not the same. They're actually completely different things. The kingdom of God in Aramaic, Malkuta da Alaha, is not the same as the kingdom of heaven, which is Malkuta Dashmaya. Malkuta Dashmaya. And I remember reading long ago different ways in which you can translate Malkuta Dashmaya, and they all had something in common, which is when you really open up Aramaic words, because they're more like hieroglyphics than they are words. Different parts of the word, the way the words are structured and stacked together, new meanings open up. But all of the translators seem to agree that Malkuta Dashmaya was not so much a place as it was a state of being. It's a state of being. Malkuta Dashmaya is not a place that you're trying to get to. It's a place that you're trying to embody with inside yourself. You are vibrating with that Malkuta Dashmaya. Malkuta, the ta at the end is important because it engenders the word feminine, which makes it not a noun, not a place, but an experience. And Dashmaya is such a beautiful word. It's the word for heaven. And you might notice there's a very important word in Dashmaya, which is that Maya part. And I know a lot of us have heard Maya, right? Oftentimes it gets translated as illusion or falsity or something that isn't of reality. But in Aramaic, it's very different. Maya is the word for water. Maya is the Aramaic word for water. And how perfect is it to talk about Maya today? Because we are in Avalon. We are in Glastonbury, the place where the holy waters flow. And Maya represents the meeting point between the physicalized and the non-physical or the earth realms and heaven so feel what it's like we've been talking about it this morning that center point between earth and heaven what it's like to be at that standing center point connecting the two and so malkuta dashmaya becomes a point a state of being a vibration that we can allow to come inside ourselves and when we allow the vibration of malkuta dashmaya to become who we are this vibration becomes more accessible to the world. We are opening up the gateways for more of heaven to be felt by each and every one of you. So I send out such a prayer, a prayer that all of us learn to remember more and more of this light. All of us learn to open to more and more of this light and we see that the individual responsibility that we all have to return to our inner divinity and royalty, the more light that we cultivate within us, the more light that we shine out also encourages everyone around us to do the exact same thing. And this is why we all are on a pilgrimage right now, whether you know it or not, whether we're, you know why we're sitting in this room or not. 
We are helping to remind each other. We are helping to be with each other in that light for that light to fully return. And so feel that as you go to these sites. See that. And also because I feel very called to talk about Mary Magdalene for a moment. Just checking the time, make sure. Mary Magdalene, this divine queen embodiment of the high priestess archetype, beloved of Yeshua, the Magdalene consciousness that I'm sure we're all witnessing that is returning now. You'll feel her presence on these lands. Many of the stories talk about her being here in Avalon. Whether you believe that or not, it's everyone's discernment. But her presence certainly is here. And when we talk about Mary Magdalene, I spoke a little bit about this on the retreat or the tour we did yesterday, is that we think when we talk about Mary Magdalene, it means she's Mary of Magdala, which it could mean that. But the term is very different when we open it up in Aramaic. Her name in Aramaic, Mariam Magalit, or Mariam Magalita. The ta part at the end is very important. Mariam, Maraum, one who embodies the feminine light principle. One who embodies the feminine light principle. And when we talk about the feminine light principle, it's not that it just means about women or the gender of the feminine. The feminine light principle is the light that shines, but you cannot see it with your eyes. It can only be felt by your heart. It is the light that permeates reality, shines through reality, holds reality. And so when we invoke Mariam, the ones who embody the feminine light principle, the Marys, we are honoring more than just one woman. We are honoring all of those who embody this feminine light principle. Leading into the Magalit or Magalita, which often gets translated as fortress or tower. When you get into the ancient Aramaic, it tr truly translates as tiered chest of drawers. And I know that seems like a strange translation, but what it means is this forever either going up or down, depending on your perspective, new drawers can be opened, new facets can be discovered and found. But also it's an anchor point, it's an assemblage point, it's a point in which all of light can circle and spiral around. And so I give honor to all of the Maria Magalitas right now in the world, all of the ones who have come before us, all the ones who will come after us, both the women who are embodying that energy and also the men who are embodying that energy. Thank you for returning the key piece of the church that we've lost, but also so much of the teachings of humanity is that sophionic descending pathway downward. And so thank you so much for allowing me to remind you of these pathways, of helping us reconnect downward, and also perhaps sparking your interest to explore Glastonbury if you weren't already planning to, but allow yourself to step through the veils, these thin places, connecting to the different layers of Avalon, whether it's the ancient Druidic past or if you're interested in early Christianity, the Christianity before Christianity, before Rome ever got its hands on it. There is such power in us remembering. And every step you take on these lands will be an offering. Every step you take will be a prayer. So remember that as you walk and allow your roots to grow down deep. Drink from the holy waters, the mayas of this land. Say your offerings, ask your permissions, honor the fairies and the elementals. And I'm sure all of our star family, star brothers and sisters above us, all the ships that I'm sure many of us can feel above us right now, 
they will be smiling down, watching us do this great work. Thank you so much. Welcome to Portal to Ascension Radio. Together we will embark on a journey of awakening and exploration. I'm your host and the founder of Portal to Ascension, Neil Gore. Since 2008, we have been dedicated to providing a stream of awareness on a range of empowering and consciousness-raising topics. Through our events, webinars, conferences, retreats, and workshops, we bring together a community of researchers, spiritualists, archaeologists, consciousness explorers, and other experts who share their knowledge and insights. Our platform serves as a resource for discovering the ancient origins of humanity, unraveling the truth of the extraterrestrial presence, holistic wellness, exposing hidden truths, and expanding our awareness beyond the third dimension. On our YouTube channel, you will find full-length presentations and interviews that dive deeper into all you experience on this podcast. Search for Portal to Ascension on YouTube. On Portal to Ascension Radio, we feature captivating discussions, interviews, and presentations. Our guests are all featured on our website, portaltoascension.org, where you can sign up to receive free access to hundreds of presentations covering that diverse awareness we explore. Portal to Ascension Radio is here to guide you on this extraordinary quest as we shift into the next octave of existence. We appreciate and love you. Let's get into today's discussion.